Welcome to Old Eyes, New Glasses, a podcast about relationships, family, and how emotional intelligence impacts our lives. My name is Avery Baker, and my dad is Brian Baker. It's a family joke that he's got the old eyes and I've got the new glasses, and that's how we got the name of our show. Together, we are the only father and son inspirational speaking duo on the circuit. This podcast is an extension of the messages we share with audiences we speak to, ranging from thousands of people at national conferences to high school gymnasiums with 1,200 students. Get ready to listen to some of the most dynamic, the most unique, and the most inspirational cross-generational conversations you've ever heard. What's up, Pops? How you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, pretty well. So we're here um, second week of August. And uh, go ahead and tell everybody what you just got done doing today. Oh yeah, I had a uh, I had a really good uh, virtual inspirational session this morning with the folks from Oracle. I uh, was speaking to uh, a group out of San Antonio, Texas, who uh, who booked me to speak uh, to their group about the life changing power of social and emotional intelligence. So it was a uh, it was a really really fun. Uh, rewarding session this morning with those folks. I think there were about 70 people on the line. You know it's different as a speaker. You're adjusting to this talking into a computer versus feeling the room, you know, when you got people there and you got all their facial expressions. But it was outstanding, man. It was a good good session, uh, good, good, um, good response through the Q&A and the feedback uh, that people received. But this is just good important information man as we as we try to maneuver our way through this uh, COVID-19 so we need as many coping skills as we could possibly get. Yeah that's a good point um I was I was obviously on the call with you kind of on the back end uh as your your AV person your tech <laughs> person but I was watching. Are you telling on me man that I don't know how to like multitask and do all that it's all good. I mean if we're gonna spill the beans you definitely don't <laughs> You, you had me. You had me weak actually because you were freaking out earlier about how to exit the full screen on Zoom in case I wanted to access some notes. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Bro, you just did it! Like, why are you asking me how to do this? You just did it." But it was, it was really, it was, it was received very well. Um, I was watching some of the reactions while you were pre- uh, presenting, and people. Um, you know, people were nodding their heads and people were just kind of like, you could tell they were engaged and following along. And I think the most revealing uh, thing about virtual inspiration, which you just talked about, not being in person, but doing, you know, Zoom meetings or Google Meet or whatever, go to meeting, whatever it is, um, when there's a lot of questions at the end of, of your session or of your event then you know people were paying attention and people were curious, they want to know more. Yeah. Um, and, and you got to get, you get an idea for what catches people's attention when, when they hear it. So yeah, um, kudos to you, props to you, because it was, it was, it was a, it was a fire event that you had going today. You were speaking to the uh, Oracle's, Oracle's Women in Leadership yeah. group. Yeah, um, based out of San Antonio, and you did. When was the the previous Oracle event that you did? Oh, that was last year. That was like uh, last November. November uh, that I did something uh, up here in Rockland in the Sacramento 
uh, area, but like the, the word spread because, uh, it, you know, the San Antonio folks reached out to me because of what I did in Rockland. And so now, um, you know, I'm anticipating the word spreading a little bit more that we're all in this virtual world. Uh, who knows, man, you know, ideally I'd like to speak to the Oracle women's group, uh, you know, somewhere in Australia or Europe or something. They have them all over the, uh, all over the world from what I understand, but uh, it was good. And we, we had so many questions that we ran out of time, which was interesting. I came this close to saying, you know, well, just send me the questions that folks can have answered and that they couldn't have, that they weren't able to ask. And then I, I thought about it and I was like, nah, I might end up getting an email like 25 questions. I don't know how many they had, so. Yeah. But it was good though, man. It was a, it was a, it was a very good session. It was enjoyable. It was fun. Nice. Nice. Well, the topic that you discussed with them earlier is exactly what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. And we're going to be diving into social and emotional intelligence and, um, you know, for the first time on this podcast. And I think this is, uh, this is going to be a really fun episode, a really insightful episode for those of you that don't know about social and emotional intelligence, uh, I hope you can learn something new. For those of you that are familiar with the topic, I hope that this could be a refresher or maybe you also learn uh, something new about social and emotional intelligence. And so um, we can just start off and, and I'll dive into a running definition of what exactly social and emotional intelligence is. and. Uh, it is the ability to be aware of our own emotions and those of others in the moment and to use that information to manage ourselves and manage our relationships. Mm -hmm. So again, social and emotional intelligence is the ability to be aware of our own emotions and those of others in the moment and to use that information to manage ourselves and manage our relationships. And um, so, so that right there, that definition in itself, we can kind of break that down a little bit further. Um, it's really just about being very in tuned with your triggers, your emotions, how you're feeling. Um, and, and I think the bigger emphasis is in real time. It's mm -hmm. not about like, not necessarily just reflecting. It's not... Um, for foreshadowing or forecasting how so-and-so will make you feel. It's about in the moment, how are you able and how quickly and how effectively are you able to assess how you're doing and how you're processing things and events going on in your life? Do you have anything to add to that, Pops? No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think that the only thing that I would add to that is that it's about your your feelings and your uh, emotions and how you're processing things, but also those of other people. And the example uh, that I gave this morning, and I don't know, maybe we'll maybe we'll share the, the video that we cut for my session this morning on on social media or on Instagram or something. But the example was uh, uh, pre emotionally intelligent Brian and post emotionally intelligent Brian. And what I mean by that is a couple of years ago, um, Avery uh, borrowed my car and then he got into an accident um, soon after leaving the house. Uh, long story short, the car was totaled. 
And I know it was a phone call he didn't want to make to me, uh, uh, but he had to make it, obviously. And I think he was pleasantly surprised that, like, I didn't flip my wig. Uh, but 10 years ago, I probably would have flipped my wig because I didn't, I wasn't, I haven't been, I hadn't been on this journey uh, that I've been on since that time in terms of self-awareness and, and uh, just kind of, you know, figuring me being, having an honest conversation with myself of who I am and who I wanted to be. Uh, the reality of it is it wouldn't have helped to go off uh, on you when you called me because I know you felt bad. I could hear it in your voice and, and obviously um, accidents happen. That's why we have insurance. Uh, nobody was hurt, thank goodness. And that was the important thing. So um, that was a perfect example uh, yeah. of, of understanding what I was feeling at the time, which was you know a little bit pissed and irritated, but at the same time, understanding and recognizing how you were feeling and then using all that information to manage, you know, my response to you. And hence, it just goes into how you manage your relationships. I think that's just a, I think that's a good illustration. Yeah, I'm not too sure how much better I felt that you didn't go off on me. I think I was really confused. And it kind <laughs> of, um, I don't know, it, it kind of was one of those things where like, it, it made me feel even worse. Cause I was like, damn, this dude don't even, this dude doesn't even have the patience to go off on me anymore. He's just so done with me. He doesn't care about me in the past. He would have yelled at me. Exactly. At least I some affection through yelling. <laughs> and, but I mean, yeah. And so that was, that was a really um, stark shift in the way that you would have reacted, like you said, 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. um maybe seven years prior five years prior but um it was overall it was a lot more beneficial to to both parties i think um i mean I, and i think that uh becoming emotionally intelligent and acquiring some of these skills um they are not only helpful in your personal life but like you talked about with the oracle staff they're helpful in your professional life mm -hmm. these skills uh, and, and, and almost, I would say most importantly, they're, um, they're helpful with your relationships. And obviously, you know, that's what we talk about is relationships. And that's why emotional intelligence and social and emotional intelligence is one of our main talking points is because it plays such a vital role in how productive your relationships are and how positive your relationships are. Yeah. Of your life. One thing that I wanted to discuss um, about social and emotional intelligence and for short we'll just call that um ei which should, should we say ei or sci yeah, I, ei is fine people just need to understand that the social part really has to do um with the relationship part the relationship right. management part there's a mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of different um uh, social and emotional intelligence um experts who have written different things about it where i got my training for this particular subject matter, we use um, you know the 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 social part, having identified the relationship uh, management thing. But we could just call it EI for the purposes of this, and, and uh, yeah, make it simple for people. Okay, so so most people are aware of what IQ is, you know, um, and yeah. in, in, what is it, intellectual or intelligence quotient? Yeah. 
There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so quotient. Um, so most people understand what IQ is. And as you talk about multiple times, um, or as you've said in, in your, um, in your events pops, E or IQ is really baked in. Um, yeah. For the most part, your IQ won't fluctuate. What your IQ is, is uh, a lot of it is genetics. You know, if you got lucky, you got lucky. The thing about emotional intelligence or emotional quotient, EQ, is, uh, and I'm looking at the definition, is defined as an individual's ability to identify, evaluate, control, and express, excuse me, and express emotions. Mm -hmm. So that is not as quite baked in as what we consider IQ. These, again, are skills that can be worked on. And, and like you say, Pops, they're soft skills. They're behaviors. Yeah, that's exactly what they are. There are behaviors that can be approved upon, um, you know, through work, through practice, through, you know, reflective exercises. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's just development. It's just like exercising and wanting to lose weight or it's just like trying to, you know, learn a, another language. I mean, you just kind of just have to keep working on these things and working on these things uh, and they get better. If you talk about something like, you know, how do I communicate better? How do I build uh, more, uh, better bridges of understanding? Well, like part of that starts with like, well, how do you become a better listener? Mm -hmm. How do you listen better, right? How do you remove your agenda, uh, you know, from, from conversations and actually actively pay attention to what someone else uh, is, is saying and then instead of rushing to have a, re, a response or a reply, uh, rushing to, um, you know, I can't wait till they're finished saying what they want to say because I have something that I want to say, mm -hmm. like let it marinate for a little bit and, and uh, show people that you're actively, you know, paying attention and, and perhaps, you know, uh, reiterate to them what they've said to you so they get an idea they're like, oh, okay, this is cool. This person really is interested in what I'm saying. They're just not blowing me off. Absolutely. I wanted to to move on to what the uh, four quadrant model is, or some people refer to it as the four pillar model in um, social and emotional intelligence. And um, and I put that up here for for both of us to see, no. but. Um, do you want to, do you want to kind of break this down and yeah. describe this? I can describe it if you no, like. I, 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 I mean, I do it. Is that, you know, the four pillar thing, that's kind of my thing. That's kind of how I, mm. how I process. Oh, so you're telling me I stole that from you. Yeah, you did. It's okay. okay. I mean, you know, it's, it just, it just works for me, but I think, I think it's, I think it's easy for people to conceptualize, you know, on this, on, on this chart here. You, you really have, you know, the four pillars are self-awareness, um, self-management, other awareness, and relationship management. And it really works like a puzzle piece. You know, the foundation of, of social and emotional intelligence really is self-awareness. Um, I believe it's the most important aspect uh, to our development and our growth, both personally and professionally. I mean, if you, mm -hmm. if you want to put it in the context of parenting, for example, I, I think that the way that you become a better parent or a better a better spouse or a better mate or partner, or whatever your situation is, it starts with you. It starts with the person uh, in the mirror every morning and, and having an honest assessment 
about, you know, what's your purpose? What's your motivation? What are your, your values and, uh, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses or opportunity areas? Um, what is your why? Uh, that kind of just sums that all up because, you know, you can't, um, for example, you can't necessarily be aware of other people if you have no awareness of yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the foundation of everything. And then you see uh, it moves to uh, management. So how do you management. once you become aware? Right. How do you manage yourself? And, and under self-management, there's a there's a, a, a variety of competencies, things like, you know, resilience, things like uh, having a, a, an achievement drive, uh, you know, being innovative uh, and creative. Um, uh, behavioral self-control, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a realistic optimism. There's a lot of things that go into learning how to manage yourself. And so it just takes work. But when you're able to do that, you can connect better with other people. As the arrow kind of shows, you can connect better with other people. You know, you can, you can understand how to have a little bit more sympathy once you do uh, uh, empathy, I should say, once you put in some, some work on yourself or have some situational awareness, whether it's in your personal relationship or, or at or at the job, right? And then you take that stuff when you're a little bit more aware of other people and then it helps you manage relationships a lot better because now all of a sudden, you know, when you're connecting with people, and I think there's such a lack of empathy right now uh, in our world that we need more of it. But again, people have to put in the work. It's not a natural thing for everybody. So some people have to work on things like that. But relationship management then becomes, you know, the last piece of the puzzle. And that talks about things like, how do you resolve conflict? Um, you know, interpersonal uh, effectiveness. How do you build bonds and how do you build trust? How do you pro uh, uh, solve uh, you know, problems, conflict resolution, all of those types of things. How do you influence a situation or influence people? So this is a really cool, it's an easy, yeah. uh, it's an easy chart to um, explain. And I think it's an easy chart for people to receive and process. Definitely. I, I love the fact that it really builds off of each other, like each step, starting with self-awareness, as you said, like it's the base. It's step one. Becoming self-aware is the number one way to improve your personal life, your professional life. Like we're big advocates on that. We talk about that a lot. And then once you're aware of self, you move on to managing yourself. Once you can do that effectively, then you're able to be aware of others and mm -hmm. acutely aware, having that situational awareness that um, like you talked about today, that's what makes an, a, 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 an inspirational leader. Yeah. Somebody that can put themselves in somebody else's shoe mm -hmm. and, and empathize with them. Or better yet, as a leader, if you're able to put people in the best positions to succeed yeah. because you're aware of what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are, um, all of that. And so that's why, that's why we say like, more often than not, if you've had, if you have a really good boss or if you have uh, somebody that you follow, a leader that you work under, more often than not, they have high social and emotional intelligence. And, mm -hmm. and due to that, they're able to manage their relationships better. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very interesting because, you know, obviously today uh, the group that I talked to uh, were leaders and you could tell from the questions that were being asked at the end of the session um, that they were trying to figure out more in terms of like, how can I become a better leader just on the types of questions that were being asked. And, you know, I shared a story of when I was in corporate America uh, and I won't get, get into it, but long story short was I had a, a vice president just tell, tell me to have a good sales year for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and I never forgot that. This is over what, 20 years ago. Um, but that made me become a better leader of people when I subsequently had people reporting to me. Um, the fact of the matter is it, was, it wasn't about you, dude. It was about me. You were going to get paid if I did well. So why not tell me to have a good year for me uh, and my family and put me in a position to feel like you actually gave a damn about, mm-hmm. you know, you know, my, my well-being or my welfare. And so, um, yeah, and we have a lot of that uh, out here in, in the workspace. Um, you know, I believe that oftentimes it happens because, you know, leaders have been promoted uh, or put into positions where they've watched poor leadership and so they've modeled poor leadership. And the thing that I was emphasizing to folks today who are leaders, model the right leadership and then you'll develop leaders underneath you. And, and that's what's really, really important. That's why the emotional intelligent leader, again, the servant leader, the empathetic leader, mm-hmm. they will put, they will serve other people. And at the end of the day, it's going to do nothing but benefit you uh, anyway in a, in a multitude of ways. But unfortunately, a lot of people um, don't get that and they're in yep. search of it, but that's okay. They can continue to, to book us and book me and <laughs> we can help them with that. Absolutely. One, one stat that you brought up earlier that is, is really interesting is, uh, and I think you said your source was either LinkedIn or Indeed, but mm-hmm. it showed, or maybe I'm, I'm referring to the wrong study, but people with high emotional intelligence tend to make um, a third oh. more income. Yeah, 30% more income. 30%. Uh, over 30%. Me. More income, yeah. That wasn't either Indeed or LinkedIn. That's a that's a different study on on emotional intelligence. But yeah, the, about thirty percent more income over their lifetime than people who have less uh, social and emotional intelligence. And really think about it, because that's one of the questions again that was asked today. How how does emotional intelligence help you advance in the workplace? And so you know the answer that yeah. I gave was you know you know think about the people that you like to work with. Do you like to work with people who are difficult to collaborate with? Or do you like to work with people who are relatively easy to collaborate with? Do you like to work with people who Mm. complain about what's happening, uh, you know, in the work environment, in the workspace? Or do you like to work with people that, you know, are able to have some personal agility and adapt to the rapidly changing conditions that happen in workspaces, right? So, you know, lean into the headwinds and just deal with what it is and not complain about it. You know, are, are you somebody that's seen as, as having leadership capabilities? Are you a good communicator? Do you have, you know, situational awareness? Are you service oriented? It's all of those things that make people stand out 
and, and create separation between themselves and other people in the workspace, right? Everybody has their unique selling proposition. And if you can get this EI thing yep. down, the sky's the limit for you in corporate America because um, that's, what, that's what took me through corporate America and made me very, very successful while I was there. It was just time yep. to leave. You know, I had just run, run my course. But while I was there, man, um, it was relatively easy for me to make um, to make significant moves uh, and not necessarily buying for them myself, myself, but for people to see you and just say, yo, this guy is different. And that's how a lot of the opportunities came to me while I was in corporate America. Yeah, I think, uh, and this kind of relates back to one of our previous episodes where we talked about uh, relationships and the power of likability. Yeah. And we were talking about that more just on a personal level. I mentioned the fact that I traveled to Europe a couple years ago. And because I have friends in different places around Europe, I was able to stay with them, not have to stay, uh, pay for housing or pay for lodging and extend my trip even longer than I thought I was going to be able to go. And but that, that was the personal example. This is the professional example you brought up. Um, who is it that we like to work with? Uh, mm -hmm. And and it doesn't matter how smart the person is. I mean, different different careers and different um, fields obviously require different skills. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, the common denominator is: Do I like working with this person? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah. And then, well, yeah. Go ahead. Go sorry. ahead. No, you go ahead, Tom. Well, all I, was, all I was gonna say is, you know, for every for each of us on an individual level, it's always good to ask ourselves if, you know, if our boss or our coworkers like working with us, that's mm -hmm. part of the self-awareness aspect and in even other awareness, because then you're, once you're uh, more self-aware, you're able to uh, realize how you're perceived mm -hmm. by others, mm -hmm. because that's also another, like we can have our own levels of self-awareness, but then if we don't, if we aren't aware of how we are perceived yeah. by others, then that can create a, a really bad disconnect for us. Well, and yeah, no, that's a very good point. You know, but the other thing that, you know, that I say to, to people when I'm speaking to people in, in, the, in the business world is you can't be shy. This kind of falls into the self-awareness category, right? You can't be shy about asking other people what they think about you. Mm. Because like, how are you gonna get better unless you really know? You can assume you know how you're viewed or how other people think about you. But at the same time, if you're really gonna get better, if you're gonna be open to being coached, right? If you're gonna, and this is, this is like the personal agility thing, right? right. Adapting. If, if, if you're gonna be open to being coached or open to feedback, then you gotta, or getting better, then you gotta ask, you know, what, you know, you know, what could I do to get better? You know, can you share with me? And I'm talking about uh, of the person that you report to, You're right? right? Because the, at the end of the day, that person is gonna have an impact on you one way or another, whether you're mm -hmm. recommended for, for an opening that's somewhere else, when it comes to a, a wage increase, they're gonna have something to say about that. Um, whether they put you in positions to to shine within the company or various you know projects or whatever the case may be, and so don't be shy about asking how you're perceived. That's the only way you're gonna 
make, make the adjustments and, and, uh, and get better. How old were you when you realized that? Like when you realized that you, you can't be shy in asking your, your, you know, your bosses or your higher ups how you're doing, like when did that click for you? That, that clicked for me uh, when I was um, about 28. Hmm. And, and, you know, I mentioned this morning in, in, on the call with, with the folks that I spoke with that three of the four mentors that I had while I was in corporate America that really helped me out immensely were women. Mm-hmm. And when I was 28, it, that was the first mentor I had when I was at B of A. Mm. And she actually recommended me for a uh, operations manager position. I, I had been working for her for a year in a different capacity and uh, opening came up and she said, I think you should do this. And I wasn't comfortable doing it partially because I was stepping out of my comfort zone Right. Mm-hmm. The other part about it, to be candid, was the boss uh, that I would be working for was an absolute complete jerk. And at the end of the day, um, you know, she told me that it would benefit me this early in my my work life to work for somebody like him because you're going to run into other people like him further down the line. So you might as well learn how to deal with it now. Mm. And the reality of it was, you know, before I even applied for that job, I said to her, okay, well, sit down and talk to me about why you think I'm good for this. And since you know me well enough to know my weaknesses, tell me what it is you think I really need to focus on if I get this job in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was kind of out of a, a little bit of an internal fear that I would go from some a position where I was kind of seen within this department within B of A as being like a um, a real asset. And somebody was like, oh, yeah, that, that, you know, love working with Brian, love dealing with Brian to going over here and failing. So I needed to know from her you know, to be brutally honest with me, what I needed to work on. And so I I just wanted to explain that whole scenario because it's really clear. I was 28 years old when she, when she offered me that. And I think sometimes people shy away from challenges Mm -hmm. because they're, they're afraid to fail in them. Uh, And in my case, it was kind of, I was afraid to fail and I just didn't like the dude that I was going to be working with. And I can honestly say that that was like a year of hell because mm. it wasn't, it wasn't um, a pleasurable experience because he was a jerk, but she was absolutely right. I learned in that year on how to work around people. And mm. that's where people sometimes get stuck in the workplace. They, they focus too much on, on um, the things that can stop them instead of figuring out like, how do I work around this guy and create allies throughout the business. And, and sure enough, a year after being under him, I got plucked by somebody else to, from, from a, got plucked by a VP to mm-hmm. come and work for him uh, simply mm-hmm. because of what I was, you know, able to do in terms of my relationship management 
in other parts of the business. But it was it was tough. Yeah, that's kind of um, like what we talk about a scarcity versus um, an abundance mindset. Yeah. You know, the abundance mindset allows you to be like, okay, let me work around this person because there m might be more opportunities on the other side. The scarcity mindset is like, well, I can't work through this person. I'm only allowed to, I report to them. So I can't even fathom like trying to do anything without their approval or, you right. know, like, and it's like, no, just get your stuff done, work your butt off. Yeah. And then in your scenario, somebody else, you know, they picked up on that. Somebody else saw the the grind that you were putting, the work that you were putting in. Yeah. And so, and so that, that's really interesting. Another thing that I wanted to touch on something that you said in a weird way, um, it's almost like showing a little humility or selflessness when you're able to go to somebody and ask them, Hey, what is it, especially like a boss, what is it that I need to improve on? Or like, you know, because the, why I say that is because then you're valuing their opinion, mm -hmm. but the whole goal is still to get information that will benefit you. Mm -hmm. But it's just a matter of how you're going about getting that information that will benefit you that kind of makes it selfless from the standpoint of, you know, being able to take feedback from somebody else, mm -hmm. perhaps mm -hmm. taking a little crit constructive criticism from somebody else, you know, so it makes other people feel like, oh, he doesn't think he's above anybody else here or above anybody else on the team because he's able to take feedback. Mm -hmm. And that's another way, and, and that's another way for you or for, for each of us as individuals to use emotional intelligence to benefit us. It's another well, way. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. you know, hopefully, you know, you, you land at some point in your work career under somebody. And I was fortunate, uh, as I mentioned, the, the mentors that I had, um, you land uh, under someone's tutelage that can help you and be proactive instead of you having to go to them and ask them, you know, like, where do I need to improve? You can still do that. Mm -hmm. And I still did that. But if you get under somebody who's going to be honest with you and just say, Hey, you know, I need to see some improvement from you in this area, you know, A, B, C, and D are great. We really got to work on E, mm -hmm. right? And then for you to be able to take that and then grind on it a little bit and figure out how you how you actually work on E. But the, 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 the other thing is, if you don't have someone who's willing to do that and to be proactive for you in that workspace, you know, I often tell people, then you have to make the, the person that you report to actually do their job. If they're in a position of leadership and they're not leading, then you got to put them on the spot a little bit and make them lead, right? And so sometimes people just want to report to the job, meaning leaders, they want to report to the job and they want to just make, they just want, you know, whatever numbers, if you're in a sales organization, I just need my numbers hit, right? And then if they're not hitting the number, then they kind of become a tyrant, right? And kind of rip into everybody. Whereas it's just kind of like, no, why don't you develop 
and groom the people underneath you so they don't just hit the numbers, they far exceed the numbers. But if someone's not doing that for you, then you force them to do the things that they're supposed to do in terms of helping you develop you know, your career or develop within that position uh, that you're in that reports to them. And at the end of the day, they'll either get, you know, they'll, they'll get off their behinds and they'll start to work with you a little bit more often than not that happens, or they'll begin to realize like they're lacking in their leadership abilities and you're not going to be underneath them forever. You may blink in a couple of years, they're reporting to you. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, people skills never get old yep. and emotional intelligence, you know, is it, a, a soft skill, people skill. They never get old. People sleep on it. They get too caught up in all this negativity out here. And at the end of the day, like, how do you work your program to get what you need? That's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as, as we wrap this thing up, um, I, I definitely think each, each and every single one of these conversations, um, we're kind of building off of the, off of the previous episode and, and our podcast is kind of, it's designed that way because the talking points, the things that we talk about are really intertwined, whether mm -hmm. it's parenting, whether it's relationships, whether it's emotional intelligence, you know, all three of those things are kind they're, they're really intertwined. And, um, and so I'm looking forward to having more conversations about emotional intelligence because, you know, we can sit here for three and a half hours just breaking down each individual competency and giving examples for how they work and how they show up in your, in your um, you know, in your love life, how they show up in your work life, how they show up with your family and all of that. And so, um, but, but we won't do that on this episode. We'll save that material for, for another time. The, the other, the only other thing that I would say is, you know, if you're a type of person that's always looking to gain or gather more information and is always looking to learn, we've actually written a ebook called Developing Self-Awareness. And yeah. you can find that on our website, which is averyandbrian.com. Again, it's averyandbrian.com. And there's a, a tab at the top of the page that uh, reads NHSA. And under there, you'll see free ebook. So if you want to learn a little bit more about developing self-awareness and how that can actually benefit you and what does it look like to um, start to, to work towards becoming more self-aware, some of the how-to skills, then definitely I would, uh, I would highly recommend that you go get that book. It's free. It's a PDF. It's like 15, 20 pages, quick read, but, but really powerful. Yeah. Um, and and let, let me just, let me just, you know, add here as, as, as we close out, you know, it's really interesting because I tell people all of the time that, um, you know, I learned a lot from you about self-awareness as I've been on a journey a little bit. What I mean by that is, you know, you're, you're a really good example of, of uh, well, there, there's, some, there, there's a, some, some terms in uh, emotional intelligence under uh, behavioral self-control. Uh, it talks about reacting versus responding, mm. right? And meaning responding 
you know, it, it, it requires a little bit of thought and consideration, yeah. whereas reacting is just reflexive. And, and, you know, the thing about it is you've always been somebody that responded uh, to things, you know, throughout your life, even in your, your childhood, right? It was just kind of like, yo, this guy is really intentional about just like not just jumping in uh, and and having something to say, you you were always a processor. You still are to this day of processing things, and so I really dig that because I don't. I've not run into a lot of people in my life that are able to actually do that and not just ignore situations, but actually process how you want to respond to something. And I and and. And I've learned a lot from you. I mean, you're, you're 24 years old, but you know, you practice mindfulness. Like mm -hmm. you, you practice this stuff, mm -hmm. uh, and have you know for for you know for the majority of your life. And I think it's really really cool. I think if young people can kind of get this early, then um, you know it, it allows you to be able to cope with a lot of things that that happen in life. A, a whole lot better and uh, I just wanted to add that because I've always admired it um, because I was not that dude mm. you know it, it it took me um losing family members and going through depression uh and going through grief uh to actually do the work required to improve that and mm. so I think it's really cool to partner with you um, because I think you're a good example, an example for this. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> we'll make sure, um, for all, for all of you listening, um, I just want to let you know that while our podcast is on audio only platforms like Spotify and Apple podcasts and SoundCloud, we are going to do our best to try to, uh, get some videos up on YouTube for our listeners so that they can, um, not only listen to us, but even see us. And sometimes we'll even pop up some slides with good information on those YouTube videos. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but overall, I, I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Very good, man. Me as well.